I'm going to be very candid with you. We are living in a computer program. Welcome, everyone, to Simulation Nation, your portal to all things virtual. I'm your host, Johnny Android, and I'm here to keep you informed about all that's happening in the metaverse. We record our episodes live in Altspace every week, and you can join us from your PC or VR headset. Just log into Altspace, join our Simulation Nation channel, and teleport in to offer your opinion, question, or whatever else. Tonight, we travel back to the year 1999 for 13th floor about a newly completed virtual reality simulation of 1937 Los Angeles filled with simulated humans unaware that they are computer programs. When the creator is murdered, his friend and protege becomes the primary suspect and he must free his name. Joining us today is Virtualness Incarnate, Virtuosity. Let's give it up. Give it up for Virtuosity. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so happy to have you back. Everything is, uh, everything is good in your world, I hope. Oh, yes. Everything good, virtual and meat space, I guess. Everything's going great. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Meat space is the thing. Uh, cool. Okay. So, you know, as I mentioned last time, this is your third episode uh, you've done with us. And so I hereby induct you into the Council of the Wise, where you will gain early access to our episodes and help guide Simulation Nation to glory. Uh, Why, thank you. <laughs> it's an honor. And so... Uh, <laughs> As a as a token of our uh, appreciation, we're going to try something here. We're going to see if we can pull this off. Hey, wear a hat. <laughs> wear a hat <laughs> option for this episode. Oh. And yes, it's true. You can choose a hat to wear. <laughs> and uh, if you you know you got a really cool ah. hat on right now, but uh, I will do know, the top hey, hat. That's within you'll theme. Do the top hat. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to do the wizard's hat because it's like, uh, you know, the Council of the Wise feels like Oops. very wizardry. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so so we're happy to have you as the Council of the Wise and happy to have you with a wonderful hat for this episode. Uh, and uh, thanks for thanks for lending your support. And we're still just playing around here. But um, all right. Well, anyone else who uh, wants to join the council, uh, you can join our, on our Patreon page at the Simulation Nation and become a member uh, for a uh, just a few bucks a month. It's a, it's a, it's a steal. It's a steal. Futurosity a steal. I tell you. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So let's, let's get to why we're here. We're, we're here because we're in the nostalgia zone. We're going back. We're going to 1999 and we're watching uh 13th floor. So let's start with overall thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll hear from you. I'll give mine. And then Ian, if you wanted to throw yours in or anyone else here, maybe even hero wants to throw his opinion in or whatever. Whoever else, uh, yeah, let me know uh, what you thought of 13th Floor. Well, I'll tell you this. 1999 was a strange year for everyone that was you know, around back then. I mean, for me, 1999 represented the future. You know, we're getting ready for the millennium coming up. We're expecting Y2K and computer outages. It seemed like there was an overall theme of, you know, issues with technology upcoming destruction and doom, and also just questioning our purpose in life. Um, that was a recurring totally. theme, technology and questioning what's next for us as humanity in general. And that's what this movie really represented. It, it perfectly represented the time period, a lot of the same fears that you know, society was going through. And overall, I, it gave me a great impression. It reminded me of that past again. I, I saw it in the theater. I definitely remember seeing this many years ago in the theater and being rocked by it. 
um, even revisiting it now, it definitely seems prescient um, when we think of just technology and our connection to it today. I mean, this movie is longstanding. I mean, it definitely is evergreen. There's nothing about it that felt dated. Um, so I, I'll tell you the truth, it's thoroughly enjoyable, and it brought me back to back in a day. Can't complain about that. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. We'll get, uh, well, you, you, you went deep, so I love it. I feel like I, I, I could go deep now too. You've given me <laughs> license to, to put on my deep philosophical hat, but, um, I, I totally, you know, agree that the nineties. So I, I think there's two interesting things that was happening. Like my first computer home computer was with windows 95, right? Like I used to go over to my friend's house and get the Commodore 64, but I never had one until windows 95. So that was when the internet really came into like the home. Right. And so yeah. we all, everyone was thinking like, oh, what is the internet going to become? It's like, what if we could create virtual reality? It's going to be here in a couple of years. This is great. And so the 90, especially 1999, when you think about it, it had the matrix, it had existence, which we've covered in a previous episode and this one, 13th floor. And that's like three movies in a single year that were all about like these crazy virtual futures and also questioning reality. So I think that's another really interesting point because Okay, so I'm, this is where I get a little, I'll, I'm going to go a little deep here. But so uh, Cold War ended in 1989, right? So we hadn't really, we hadn't had a hot war since like the 70s. Then we had a Cold War for the 80s and then that was over. So there was a decade where we weren't fighting to like keep ourselves alive or keep the communists out or keep the, you know, the terrorists were two years away. So we didn't have to worry about them. And so then I think it's like all of American society was going up the Maslow's hierarchy where it's like, okay, when you've got sort of like food, shelter and security taken care of, then you start thinking about like, how do I maximize my potential? How do I create, you know, how do I actualize myself as a human being? And that all is like question reality, you know, break outside the box and, and think of something new. And so I think like we were afforded that in the 90s and it came at a perfect time with the technology to make us think that that was going to lead us to the future. So I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I, I Getting back to the movie though, I do feel like there are some flaws with it. I think it was less flawed than I quite have remembered. Like I remember it being extremely convoluted and confusing and I I didn't find that this time. And I think part of the reason is because we're so used to the ideas of uh, of simulations and avatars and things like that, that it was not as confusing anymore as it once was. Um, but I think that there were other elements that I was like, oh, my God. So I, I do have to say that there it, that this was based on a book called Simulacrum 3. And that, in turn, was made into a movie by Rainer Werner Fassbinder, which we've covered on, on Simulation Nation. It was called World on the Wire. It was yes. broken into two parts. Yeah, and so it's episode 35 and 36 were World and Wire. So if everyone, anyone's interested out there, go check those out because it's – and by the way, you could watch World on a Wire for free on YouTube. So it's like accessible to everyone. And, you know, OK, that movie also has a, a, a lot of flaws, but it, it was a, a little bit of a – deeper understanding of the thieves of the movie it, it kind of laid itself out in a clearer manner and so there was some of those elements that um with this movie i was like oh man like the second half of the movie you get into this like lame love story that i didn't believe and like uh, you know then it's like everyone's jumping from reality to reality and it kind of uh, got a, the plot got away with from them a little bit, but there is a lot to be said. And believe it or not, I, I this was better than I remembered. I, I remember not loving it, but I this time I had a, a better time watching it. 
honestly, I'm in the same boat. Uh, I remember right. the reviews back in the day were, were quite harsh. I mean, this movie came out only right. about two, three months after The Matrix. So everyone was wowed by action and suspense right. and a lot of similar themes. I mean, since, I mean, even the original German TV movie, I mean, that was 1971. So these ideas have been floating around. Um, the original book was maybe around 1964. So, I mean, these ideas have floated around, but The Matrix kind of beat it by a few months and it definitely impacted reviews. And also, don't forget Roland Emmerich. Remember, he was the producer of this film and because of most likely Godzilla 1998, I don't think critics were all that excited for another Roland Emmerich film at the time. So I mm. do think I judged it a little harshly when I first saw it, but the second time when I really loved it. I mean, there were a lot of flaws, but... Something about it, just the meta story that you walk away with. I'm like, oh, man, this really does have some stick to it. You know, you don't just forget it when you finish it. Totally, totally. No, and I think this, I could I could see this movie getting rebated in modern day and, and, and it working pretty well. Um, so I don't know, KD or Ian, what do you think? Ian, any any uh, any opinions, uh, overall thoughts of the movie? I, I yeah, just missed um, like I, I really liked it. I mean, what really stuck out to me was the interpersonal interactions with the characters in, in, in between the characters and just how, how the simulated people seem so real. And that just it was something I really enjoyed how it, how, how it explored this kind of artificial consciousness. Totally. Yeah, I agree. That's the best, best part about it for sure. So, um, let's, uh, let's jump into, uh, Let's jump into the plot uh, before we get, which I guess is where we start with the sort of overview of everything. Um, do you want me to try to try to summarize the plot? I, I, yeah, I and I'll plug in any holes. We, anything comes up. All right. So, so to keep it su uh, super simple, there's a guy. We're in the year. Uh, now we're already getting complicated. We're in the year 1999 in Los Angeles, but we can travel back to 1937 Los Angeles in a simulation. Right. That looks and feels real. And it's so real that the people in the simulation don't know they're in a simulation. And so you can plug yourself into a version of yourself that is like an avatar in the past who lives their life and they go about their business. And then when you enter their mind, they'll have amnesia spells. So they'll, they'll just black out and don't know what happened. But really, you were taking over their life for a little while. In any case, the creator of the simulation gets murdered. Then the main character is his sort of right-hand man. He gets blamed for the murder. He's sort of framed for it. And so he's got to go into the past to find clues as to who murdered his friend in 1937. Uh, and then, of course, we are going to give some spoilers here. So I figure if a movie is 20 years old, uh, we're allowed <laughs> to give spoilers. It's too late, guys. You should have gotten watched it by now. In any case, we discovered that the reality in 1999 is also a simulation. And there was someone from the above world in the year 2024, which is just around the corner, who came down and murdered this guy and framed our main character. And we sort of are trying to figure out why he would do that. And along the way, he falls in love with this girl who turns out to be from the future. And he, you know, there's this bartender from the past who's messing stuff <laughs> up. And in any case, that's that's sort of the general plot. So there's sort of three layers of reality that we are aware of. They, they, they insinuate that there's many, many more. I think they even said thousands at one point. Yes. Yeah, but the, we are dealing with three realities. So 1999, 2024, and 1937. That's a great summary. You covered all the bases. 
even better, I love the subplots. You know, there were some fascinating subplots because when you think of the reactions of people discovering the truth of that reality, you know, for all three layers, because technically I believe there's a fourth layer, <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Well, wait, no, we can get into it now if you want to. Oh, is that you okay? Save it. Yeah, sure. Oh, well, I, I, I think, well, Remember, 1999 was all about twists. When you think of how many reality-bending twists there were in movies in that time period, I mean, any virtual reality movie, you're always supposed to think, am I still in the game when it's all over? Now, funny enough for me, um, while reviewing the movie now in 2021, uh, I did my Oculus Quest 2, and I rented it through Amazon Prime Video. So I was in virtual reality as I watched the entire movie. And then, uh, like, after it's all done, credits roll, I sat for about two extra seconds and said, okay, I'm about to take off my helmet. Let's see what happens. Wow. But I was back to regular space, but it would have been cooler though. But I mean, that's a fun thing. The meta textual kind of conversation you have after a movie like this, it, it'll make you question things for a moment or two. It makes you kind of think twice about the nature of reality. And I, I appreciate that in a movie. I mean, when you can walk away and think about it, it's not something that just oh, goes poof a few minutes later. Right. The parts of the plot that I think kind of got away with away from the filmmakers, number one, like I said, there's this romance plot that is so preposterous, right? Like the fact that like, okay, so apparently this woman, apparently her father has just been murdered, but she doesn't, she just like immediately is like, let's dance. And she, she grabs the main (laughs) character and takes him out onto the dance floors. And that's, that's the romantic moment that is supposed to spark the rest of the movie. And of course the twist in the end is that she is the one who is able to take our main character's consciousness from the 1999 self and plug it into the 2024 consciousness and save him and bring him to the future where they can live happily ever after. But it's like, okay, they could have developed that a little bit more. Uh, but And then also, I think the fact that everyone was able – it's, it's very – it's sort of unclear how consciousnesses can jump from one timeline to another timeline. Um, it just sort of happens in a way. They don't – like I think it would have been better if they kind of learned a way to jump – like almost if they could do a little bit of the Neo and figure out how to like hack the metaverse and kind of like jump uh, by their own choice from reality to reality. And maybe that would keep it a little more clear because it gets a little fuzzy – uh, when everyone's jumping around and I think that they, it kind of loses them in the second half of the movie. So there was some, some of the plots in the second half of the movie, they didn't have time to set them all up because they were sort of more interested in this um, murder mystery and they didn't set up all these other little details and it kind of fell apart in those ways for me a little bit in uh, with those, with those plots. But, but generally speaking, I feel like, pretty much held together like the logic okay there's going to be some obviously kooky logic but like it all kind of ties in it all kind of ties together yeah i I agree with that yeah one thing i have to think about um, the love story you're right it it was on the trite side it was very 1990s like hey beautiful Uh woman meets attractive man instantly fall in love it's almost like you know the first person you see you fall in love with in 90s movies it definitely tapped into a lot of neo-nora tropes as well you know suddenly is she the damsel in distress or is she the vixen who's you know plotting against him so i I did like the fact we got to play a little bit of those old tropes but we fast forwarded through the romance i mean would you really risk everything for this woman you just kind of met i don't think so so that was a little far-fetched for sci-fi yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, how about you, Ian? What did you think? Were you uh, confused by the plots or you, you liked it all? 
Um, I'm not really a fan of romantic subplots that just kind of, kind of appear out of nowhere. They always make, make me kind of internally groan a bit. But yeah, so this this was kind of shoehorned, and I didn't really I didn't really care for how it was done. Right, right. And then, how about the jumping of the consciousness? Did you find trouble with that, or you were okay with all that? The, the where they could sort of jump from timeline to timeline through their minds and sort of uh, like the the bartender from 1937 uh, finds a way to become the computer programmer from 1999. Oh, the, the, the way that they, they did that was was through the the host mind of the the person above dying. So it's not like they could really jump back and forth. It was it, it, it to me it seemed like it was a one time thing where they could jump up to the next level of reality because that person was dead, so they could occupy their body. So it was almost like possession in a way, instead of just jumping right. back and forth. They, they did. They reinforced it a little bit when um, you know the main character. Um, I think his name is Douglas Hall. Um, he picked up the same habits of his virtual 1937 twin. Because remember, at first he's a non-smoker, but then suddenly starts smoking because their minds connected for a split moment or two and became one. So I think that's why he picked up the habit of his twins. Right. I think that was supposed Music. to be a clue about the eventual merging or swapping all together. Yeah. 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 Is the, it was the fusing of the consciousnesses uh, yeah. from the different timelines. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, okay. So I guess that, that brings us to the, the characters. So the characters there's, there's like, I guess three or four main characters, right? There's this, the damsel, which you're talking about. She seems like the innocent, a daughter of the, of the, um, genius tech guy who's created these simulations but then it turns out that actually she's married to our main character in the future um and then our main character um it, it, when he goes back to the past he's just a um a, a clerk in a bank right so everyone has sort of three layers of these sort of character arcs um how did you how did you feel about the characters? Because I, I this is again, again another spot that was like, oh man, they're pretty they're pretty thin. Like I don't know. Uh, and, and, and let's just take a moment to say that the acting and the dialogue are not great in this movie. I think those are the two worst elements for me. I'll agree. Um, I, I, it has a sci-fi pass, but you can only go so far, you know. So definitely yeah. it felt like the dialogue was on the little rough side and even like the romantic dialogue between um, Gretchen Maul's character of um, Jane and you know the, the main guy, Douglas, it didn't feel right. I mean, he, he sounded almost like the Batman-ish grovel in most of his conversations. And I'm like, well, it's supposed to be a romantic mm -hmm. moment, but you're still kind of sounding a little off. Uh, it, something, it, it was a little off to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think also the um, acting, the only acting that I liked was the old man Fuller. I thought he was really good. But like, I, th I feel like the main character was basically like a poor man's George Clooney. Like, ah, we couldn't afford George Clooney. So and he's off doing from dusk till dawn. So I guess we're going to use this like no neighbor guy. And, and then like um, and then the the detective character was like, oh, this looks like Morgan Freeman from seven, but like not nearly as good. Unfortunately, he's like poor man's Morgan Freeman or something like that um, that was so, yeah, unfortunate <laughs> yeah yeah the the, the performances were a little static and a little um uh, uh, you know a, a little one note 
with the exception and weirdly by Vincent D'Onofrio, who was insanely overacting. Like well, he 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 played all of his different timelines uh, very uh, over the top. Um, like, I, you know, it's funny because you see him in a movie like um, I guess like Full Metal Jacket. I guess you could say he was acting pretty big there as well. And I guess even in Men in Black, when he was playing the the cockroach guy, he was playing it pretty big, too. But but I, we know that he can play like great acting like sort of calm down but in this one he was just like let loose and uh that was a little bit difficult to take because everyone else in the movie was so static and he was just like wow you know he was razzmatazzing yeah definitely (laughs) peacocking during that movie because he he delivered almost too much you know it got to the point where i'm like man you're overdoing it like this is you know you go from zero to 60 but he, he he has a habit of playing characters that you know go from, you know, sane to psychotic within, you know, 24 hours. So he, he got a chance to play that right. on multiple levels in this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so the, the one character that I think for me gave me the most amount of problems, and I, and I think that the logic is there, but I think that the execution wasn't there, which is that, so what we learn in the end is that the future version of our main character, David, uh, he came back and he murdered the boss and then framed i guess himself from the past to take the hit for the murder but it's like and i think that the reason that they gave in the movie correct me if i'm wrong ian or 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 you is that they say that as he would spend more and more time in a simulation and the more and more he knew he kind of got the westworld syndrome where it's like oh i can like rape and pillage back here so i don't give a crap about uh, humanity anymore and i'm just going to take out my sadistic rages on these people and to, and i think that they said like the more time he spent in the simulations the more sadistic he got um i i i t- I totally buy that logic, but they just never showed us any kind of evidence that that was happening to anyone else. And so it made me feel like it wasn't um, it wasn't it wasn't executed well. I don't know. What did you think about that? I think sometimes they're a little too subtle with it because the only thing that we knew that kind of was a through line between you know bad behavior was Fuller, the old man was I guess he was um you know buying prostitutes in, or in the little old man's body in 1937. So essentially, he was traveling to another man's body, sneaking out of his bed at night while he's with his wife, goes to the hotel to party with young women. I guess that was the only thing they mentioned was that he kind of gave in to the desires instead of exploring the technology because this was supposed to be an amazing technological invention, but what does he end up doing? He gets prostitutes in 1937. I think that's the only thing that kind of showed a little bit of his changeover. Yeah, I, I got that. I guess I just needed somebody to start enacting a little bit of rage at the and disrespect to the people of the uh, of the simulation. And then I would have been like, oh, I can see how that could magnify the more time you spend in here. Um, I don't know. Oh. Do you have a thought about that, Ian? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, just thinking about how we, we deal with, with like, video games. Um, you know, I, I think the argument that when you're in a virtual world, you can, um, you know, engage in behavior that you wouldn't engage in in real life. I mean, if you're, you know, in an online shooter game, you don't care about these computer characters you're shooting. And right. so, I mean, I, I, I could certainly understand that argument. But again, we, we don't really see 
any any other evidence that they're antagonizing anybody other than the main character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do yeah, remember I... Um, one thing. Vincent D'Onofrio's character in the 1937 time period when he's interacting with the Douglas from 1999 in the body of, oh my goodness, <laughs> within the body of his 1937 self, he did shoot him a few times saying, hey, is this real? Do you feel this? So since, because right. uh, oh yeah, I think true. we skipped that one plot point is the fact that Vincent D'Offro's character in 1937 you know, was given that letter that kind of revealed the true nature of reality. After he understood the nature of these multiple nesting simulations, I think he did lose some of his humanity because remember, right. he, you know, okay. he kidnapped a man. You know, I mean, I don't think that bartender was normally a kidnapper days before, but I think that forbidden knowledge kind of pushed him over the edge, possibly. Yeah, that could be. And I guess it's like, you know, if they had if if this guy had been on a murder spree. And then we were on a trail to find out what was the connection between all the people that are being murdered. And we discover that it's because they've somehow slighted or turned against our main character in their life. Then I could be like, oh, it's fulfilling a fantasy, a dark fantasy. I totally get that. But I think because it didn't and it was just plunked in at the end, it felt like it felt like, oh, we've got to sort of wrap this story up somehow. So let's just make this guy sadistic. Um, Good point. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, it's the the seeds were there. I, like I feel like there was a really, really great movie in here that just didn't get fleshed out to the full degree that it could have. Um, and it became became it became sort of the ugly stepchild of existence and Matrix when it, it could have been like on par with them. Because I think a lot of the ideas are really great, like you were saying. Um, oh, the only other th what's that? Oh, I was also thinking of remember Dark City from nineteen ninety eight. Dark City. Yep. So that's another film with very similar themes and also some of that, you know, um, Art Deco 30s aesthetic. I, that's the problem. I think the timing and of this movie wasn't the best. I mean, there's two yep. things too similar that did a slightly better job with similar themes. Yep, exactly. What's up, Toronto guy? I, I'm assuming you're from Toronto. Hey. All right, cool. Well, me too. Uh, back in the day. Um all right, so uh, let's uh, let's see. There's one other uh, the other the only other character thing I was thinking was that I wished they actually could. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I just missed this. Maybe when you guys will figure it out. But I feel like they could should have been able, like I think I said, figure out how to jump to the next consciousness instead of it kind of happening by accident. So that in the end, our main character um, could have learned to. Uh, save himself like he could have become Neo and figured out how to hack the Matrix and jump to the next reality as opposed to like the sort of deus ex machina where it's like oh kind of like he was he died but then he was saved at the last minute by this uh, this woman from the future and then he was just kind of saved he never had to sort of become a hero and figure out how to hack the Matrix do you know what I mean that's a good point yeah I mean, he's he's very passive in the end when you really think of it and passive characters they're not the most fun to watch I'll definitely give you that. Overall, yeah. I, it's, it was a, it was a, the ending wasn't the greatest when it comes to the fact that, okay, he dies within his 1999 world and then he wakes up and, you know, we can get there now, um, 2024. And, you know, it, it seemed like an easy out, to be honest. I, I wanted a little bit more. I wanted him to achieve something and earn it, but he didn't really earn it. Um, he was kind of given, hey, get a perfect future, but what did he do to earn it? I didn't see right. it. Exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, that it, that that would that was sort of a missed opportunity. That's something that the Matrix did so so well compared to this movie, where it's like you really felt for Neo, not believing he's the one, and then having to prove he's the one, and then mastering the hack of the Matrix and becoming this like super simulation being. Like that's just so cool. Like I think they sort of missed that. How's it going, Toronto guy? Are you uh, you hanging out in your Toronto uh, couch right now? Have you are you here? Are, have you seen Thirteenth Floor recently? Are you a fan? Cool. Uh, it's, a, it's a little difficult to hear you, but um, I think I got that it was amazing. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts here before we jump on to the next category here? Okay. So the point. All right. So this is where we get to go deep into, your, into the philosophy because this is the fun parts of these kinds of movies is that it's all about like what's real, what's not real. Um, I, you know, I, I will say that, um, well, you go first. It, it's, you, you had some interesting thoughts in the, uh, in the beginning. Well, overall, I, I love the concept of simulation theory. You know, I mean, I'm a big Philip K. Dick fan. You know, I mean, I love Douglas Adams. I mean, there's a, a lot of authors and other mediums have explored this. But the fun thing about the movie is the fact that I, I kept thinking about this expanded universe that they live in. Because remember, it's 2024 at the end. And if you look at the newspaper, it is perfect ending. It literally says crime in Los Angeles has ended and all the jails are closing. It's, it's on the newspaper. I'm like oh, this is totally a fake world. So I think that concept of, hey, like how many nesting layers of reality are we stuck mm. in? And how would how would you react when you realize, oh, um, you're being puppeteered by other people? I mean, when you realize that you're just an NPC of sorts, you know, a non-player character in your own life, I think that would create an existential crisis. And the question is, would you react violently? Would you go along with the flow like the cop? That was one thing I thought was fascinating. Remember the detective after he learned the truth of reality, it's like, well, I'm just going to keep doing my job and be a cop in this fake L.A. So leave me alone. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see each person's reaction. And I always wonder, how would I react in this situation if I learned this quote unquote truth of reality? Totally. No, it's, it's a good point. Sorry. So uh, we're going to have to mute you guys for now. Uh, but um, please use the raise hand option um, because we are recording this for the podcast. So it's going to be on Spotify and iTunes. So we do need to keep the audio clean. But please use the raise hand option, which I will open up now. And uh, if you had a thought, comment, question, whatever, use the raise hand option and we will be able to call on you. Um but yeah, you know, I, I talked about this the other the last I think it was the last episode when we had the VR digital citizens in here and we were talking about, you know, what if what if this is we're now creating a, a, a very low poly version of a simulation, which will become more realistic in time. But actually, we are also simulations and there's like we can plug into a arcade from the future and just play around with our our lives and stuff like that. Um I, you know, it's obviously it's a fascinating idea that never really gets old because there's some truth to it. I think that not not that there's some provable truth to it, but like, you know, if you even look at like Hinduism, like Hinduism and reincarnation has a lot to do with this multiverse where there are all of these infinite incarnations of a soul and it, it and um, you are only one illusory incarnation uh in, in, in an avatar the term avatar is actually from hinduism right yes. and so 
you will reconnect with the Brockman, which is like the the almighty unifying uh, field. And then you will be reborn into a new body through reincarnation. And so, you know, I think that it's just like all through history, even before we had this technology, there's always been that sense that maybe there's a, a multiverse out there. And so we're now sort of making that real. And, and those ideas are taking on a new form, which is a digital form. Um, but I, I think it's all I think it's all really, really cool. So that's that's definitely the best part about this. I will say that I was a little disappointed that they simplified it a little bit compared to World on a Wire, which went, you know, Rainer Ruder Fassbender is 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 like a pretty great uh, filmmaker. Like I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's like a a, a filmmaker who is known and sort of a classic. I'm sure, it's very, I wonder if Roland Emmerich, who's also German, knew Fassbender and loved this one from 1970s and decided to remake it. That might be. Interesting. He would have been out, the right but, age. He, he would have been yeah. the right age because I think, you know, he's maybe 70 now. So I could definitely see right. him, you know, being like, you know, late teen and watching the show and getting amazed as a young kid. Yeah. But yeah, on the it, simulation. It, it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, on, on the whole simulation hypothesis, I did like the test, the internal logic within the movie, the test of are you within this artificial reality? You know, essentially don't think of where you want to go, just drive somewhere and just keep right. going nonstop, you know, go through any barriers. And, and that's a popular theme in this um, simulated reality. There's always going to be roadblocks. You know, it's no different than a video game when you hit the invisible wall. You know, you're playing a right. game and suddenly, hey, I want to go there. And you try to get there and you hit an invisible wall because there's not enough processing power or whatever to show and display that area. So you're locked out of it. I, I really enjoyed that concept where you say, oh, find the edge of your known reality by you know pushing yourself outside of your normal habits. And you realize um, maybe there is a speed limit within this universe. You know, there's always processing power and there's always a, you know, a point where you can't go any further. Maybe there's a speed limit in the universe. You know, let's say the speed of light, for example, that's a common constant. Maybe that's a speed limit. Maybe that represents processing power. That's a fascinating part of this movie. It makes you want to go deeper and think more about it. Totally. I liked I liked that in 1937, they never went past Tucson, Arizona, and then the, the bartender finally drove out there and realized there was nothing there. But I did feel like I was a little disappointed that the guy in 1999 hadn't been past Tucson. Like, I feel like I feel like each um era of simulation like if we if 1999 created a simulation it would be more simple than the one and less resolution less you know bandwidth than the one that was from 2024 and so it felt like the 1999 world should have been bigger than also stopping at tucson like i feel like it should have been like you know north america or like the globe or something like that and then it's like oh how do you break out of that because they have way more uh bandwidth to be able to create a more elaborate world you know um because i'm yeah. glad you brought that up because remember there's this little i don't know if it's a plot hole but the cop did a little research on you know the the damsel jane and remember jane's backstory was that she was the missing daughter who secretly lived in paris for years and he claimed mm -hmm. he called the paris bureau of whatever and i'm like well who answered the phone um, did they just make a single virtual right. you know inspector clouseau guy that answered the phone how does that work? You know, that that's one of those little internal logic parts that seem like it slipped through their fingers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And then so the other the other thing I was saying about the way that um, Fassbender dealt with the themes and this movie did is that this this movie crunched it down. And I felt like it was like right from the opening 
uh, title card when it said, I think therefore I am, it was like, oh man, they're like really squashing down all of the intricacies of the, of the themes and the ideas into like a, a sort of cliched, uh, sort of platitude that everybody knows. And it's like, okay, they're very much going for like the pop crowd as opposed to like the deeper crowd. Cause it, you know, in world in a wire, they really get into like these, uh, Plato's forms and then they get into like Zeno's paradox, which is uh, interesting. Cause it's sort of Zeno's paradoxes were all about like mathematical ways that you can prove that reality is an illusion. So like, for example, uh, let's say I have to get to that wall over there. Well, in order to get there, I first have to get halfway to the wall. And then in order to get halfway to the wall, I have to get half of that, which is a quarter. And in order to get there, I have to get one eighth. But if you keep shrinking the fraction down, you'll arrive at infinity. So you'll never reach the wall. So from a, from a mathematical point of view, you will never reach the wall. It's an illusion to to move, right? And so oh, they, get, they really get it. Yeah, so they really get into these interesting nuances in the in the older movie where they in this movie they're just like womp, like I think therefore I am. Let's go on with the murder plot. Um, but 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 generally though, I was I was more impressed than I thought I would be with how the ideas kind of held out. Um, how's it going out here, guys? We got Kurt here, Merlin, Darren, Sea uh, Dog, Durano guy. What's up? Um, sure. Can you, you can you hear me? Yeah, it's a little fuzzy, but I can hear you. I uh, know. I was just thinking about the whole uh, Marvels right now. They're going through the whole multiverse uh, with Spider-Man and. Um, Doctor Strange too, so uh, and they're trying to uh, popularize it at least in pop, in terms of pop. Yeah, no, that's true. We are at the stage where uh, we are getting more complex than the 1999. What they thought we could handle as an audience, where they're letting us uh, understand a little bit more of with Doctor Strange and the multiverse and all these different parallel timelines. And I totally agree with that. I think that. 2021 audiences, although we're not quite as sophisticated as they thought we would be for the 2024 version of of Los Angeles, we are definitely able to understand more nuance now than uh, 1999. Because I, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, where it's like at the I remember this movie being extremely complicated and convoluted, and I this time watching, I was like, no, it's not that convoluted. And I totally get it, and I think it's because audiences are getting more sophisticated. So that's a really good point, uh, Toronto guy. Um, any other thoughts before we move on? No. All right. So, uh, we always sort of hold, uh, Oh, uh, Darren. Yeah. Sorry. What's up, Darren? Let's see here. How's it going, Darren? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, see if I guess it's working. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, I don't know if, how far are you moving on, but, uh, I like the part and near the end, are we talking about the end or any part of that? Oh, you can talk about it now. That's okay. Yeah, what, what do you like okay. about the end? Well, uh, the end is when he takes his, when they find that they're using a VR system. And I'm like, this is VR, and this is back in 1999. It's showing how far advanced it is. And that's what, that's what I think is, is really cool about it. And uh, yeah. and the new, the new VR systems back in 99 that portrayed in that film looks like they're coming up, like they're going to be in a couple more, maybe three or four years from now. It may end up being like that. And even the Quest 2 is not quite like that, but it's getting close to that. That's, that's all I can say right now. 
I'm just uh, fascinated by that. Yeah, I agree that I was like when they when he got shot in the 1999 timeline and I was like, oh, God, please show us the future. Please show us the future. And then they <laughs> jumped to the future. And it was very Black Mirror where the, he was just like wearing this little nice, delicate headset that he could take off. And he was lying in bed very comfortably. And his wife is laying on the couch and they're just hanging out in VR and they're going down into 1999. I thought that that was um, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, great. They really they got that part of it. And they were really ahead of Black Mirror in that sense. Uh, did you get that feeling also? Oh, definitely. It, it was a great twist ending. I mean, overall, I mean, the 2024 period is still funny to me because I, I, I definitely know it's supposed to be a simulation. Even better, right. you know, it, it says, OK, there's not going to be any crime. It's very clean. But did you notice how everyone was in the water? I'm assuming the polar ice caps melted because that was supposed to be Los Angeles and they weren't at the beach. Those homes are yeah. in the water. So that was a little fascinating little you know, future wink, wink. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. I guess back then we had Al Gore who was saying that uh, that global warming was coming and you better be careful. But no one believed him. And here we are uh, now really worried about it. So that's 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 true. That's interesting. I didn't think of that. They were I, they were all in like a beachfront Santa Monica homes and uh, it was like the nice sunset. But, yeah, there was buildings like sort of out in the water. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, cool. it's like, uh, well, if this is the perfect future, why are you guys in water? It, 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 that was a little fascinating. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that was per Darren's perfect. It was a perfect segue to um, talking about the text. I love to, I love to look at these old movies and see like, OK, how did how did they get the tech right? How did they get it wrong? <laughs> like and usually it's like really outlandish and ridiculous. Obviously, the, tw the 2024 time, I hope in a couple of years we can have a simulation that is so realistic that the people, the avatars in that simulation don't know they're in a simulation. I think probably it's a few more years off, but I love um, that, 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 that the optimism that that could happen by 2024. Um, the, the funny part though, I, cause I, like you mentioned, like Darren, Darren mentioned the, the 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 headset was quite uh on target for for where we are now but the 1999 one i thought that they like all they did was use like green lights like it was like the guy lies down <laughs> and then they just zap green lights on top of him and uh suddenly he was back in like 1937 i thought that was really funny um, and the smog machine you know you have the green lights yeah. and the obvious smog machine so i'm assuming oh, what, what machinery created the smog wink wink that was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I always say, like, if you want to have, if you want to create a sci-fi effect on a low budget, you get a fog machine and you get lights <laughs> and you beam them through the the fog. Voila, you've got futuristic uh, looking movie. Um, but that was pretty much all the technology that there was, right? Because we never really got to, I mean, we got to see the lab in 1999 and it kind of looked like AWS now. Like if you look at those Google servers or the Amazon Web Services servers, like they're kind of like that. Like they're kind of built out in this sort of warehouse space and they look like just a bunch of hard drives all over the place. Um, so they kind of got that right too. Um and that's really all there was. Was there any other tech gadgets or funny little tech things that this movie had? How about the lack of cell phones? I'm trying to remember. I think you only <laughs> saw a cell phone or two. Uh, it's very strange. That time period, it reminds me of the first Spider-Man movie. When I suddenly realized, mm -hmm. rewatching that too long ago, hey, no one had a cell phone except for one short, short scene. It was very strange, but also made this kind of timeless. You know, someone didn't pull out the, you know... Zach Morrison phone, you know, the huge shoe phone or whatever, you know, of the 90s, you know, they it, it's 
I, I'm still thinking, um, I mean, even the computer monitors, I mean, that was the only thing that seemed kind of dated. But overall, right. uh, this movie felt timeless, especially for the 1937 scenes. It, that was right. seamless. So by putting it in the past, following the more neo-noir template, they didn't have to give us too much tech. They just gave us just enough to make it work for 1999 and kind of future-proof themselves in many ways. They didn't try to go overboard with the tech. They just gave us the bare minimum and let our imaginations fill in the blanks. That's true. And, and, and I, I do give them a lot of credit for the visuals of the film of the 1937 L.A. looked really good. Uh, the 1999 looks really realistic and, and the 2024 too. So I do, I think that of all the elements, I think the visuals were very well done. Um, but talking about cell phones, I, you know, matrix came out in the same year and they were, it, there was like major plot points hinging on cell phones. So they, or, or they had, well, that's not true because they had, um, public phones that you would pick yeah. up and then you would talk <laughs> into. But then uh, the, when uh, cipher was tracking, neo then he put the cell phone in the trash that was the really the one time but all the other times they were using public phones which like are now are like relics of like a time gone by so i guess it's yeah i guess that's true yeah a little fascinating thing about it i mean that changeover is almost like cell phones became ubiquitous right around 2000 when like everyone started having a cell phone so any movie made released in 1999 that would have been like you know 18 months earlier so it is a little weird it's kind of out of sight out of mind at the moment totally um all right toronto guy what you got you got something for us uh no i was just gonna say there's this uh, photo going around like that um where there's uh, time travel and one of the famous photos is a guy uh, what appears to be a cell phone stop it into uh-huh yeah i know what you're talking about yeah there, there's all people are like scouring over old photos from the 1920s and 1910s and they're finding elements that prove that there was a time traveler because oh look at this guy he's holding a cell phone even though he's riding a horse or something like that. i know what you're talking about but it's so hard to it's so hard to tell is he just holding like a block of wood or is he holding like a cell phone you know it's so difficult to tell but also in many ways when you think of it i mean more i think about it if in that circumstance you see a person that's standing out and they don't belong maybe they are a user you know maybe they're using an avatar um because that was one element of the movie that was kind of scary when you suddenly realize someone that you interact with on a regular basis is not that person it's actually a user controlling what you think is another human being um, so even though they didn't show the tech of it, it felt realistic in a weird way where I'm like, oh, OK, well, it works within the world of the movie. So thus, I believe it. Right. 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 Cool. Um, what's up, uh, Gertzy Zero? And uh, who else we got here? We got uh, Mama Nerd. Mama Nerd. How's it going? Mama Nerd. Love the name. That's a great one. Uh, all right. So if, if no one else has any other comments on the tech or the uh, plot or characters, we'll move right on to... Wow. 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 That's right. It's wow score time. Wow score. Uh, 10 wows. It's like, this is the greatest movie of all time. I'm going to watch it every night before I go to sleep. Zero wows. It's like, what the hell did I just waste two hours doing? Um, what's your wow score? Futurosity. This is a hard one. Uh, well, I'll be honest, because when I think of movie scores, I always think in terms of Movies of a similar type. So if I go by sci-fi, virtual reality, movies of this time period, I would give it maybe a 7 out of 10. I mean, it's enjoyable. Um, There are many timeless elements. But the overall plot, it it doesn't 
do the best work with the material given. Because, I mean, we all know that the original material, you know, is a font of imagination that you could tap into. Um, and previous adaptations have done wonders with the material. This one, it's a little on the flatter side, but it's thoroughly enjoyable. And it has a meta story that attaches to you. It makes you think about it. So I would give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, totally. So, um, okay, so seven, that's interesting. So I, you know, I remember this movie being worse than it was this time. I really enjoyed it uh, this time. Um, and I, so although there were, I think that the dialogue needed like some serious work, I think that the acting, like if they could recast this movie, that was a big problem. Uh, and I think that the, the plot halfway through the movie kind of got caught up in these like very cardboard romances and this, uh, jumping from you know time to time and not having the characters really being the ones who are figuring out how to master this world. Um, so I I think that there is a lot of room for improvement. But I was pleasantly surprised this time that I was totally entertained the whole time. I didn't get lost. Like I knew exactly where I was in the movie and what they were up to. And I think that in the end, um, he kind of fulfilled that wish fulfillment of going to the future and seeing what the next layer of reality would be like. And they found a way to do a happy ending. It was very much like Dark City, uh, very much like Truman Show. Uh, there was a lot of movies in this period that were like that. And I think because of that, when you look at all those movies, I mean, I love Truman Show. I love The Matrix. I love, you know, so this one, unfortunately, this one has a lot of steep competition. And I'm going to give it also a seven. So we're sort of in the same book. I thought you were going to give it a little higher. Uh, but I, I, think, I think it's a solid, fun watch. It's definitely worth rewatching. It's not perfect, but uh, it's, it's not as bad as some 90s movies. Like Lawnmower Man. Like, like if you want to see a really bad, <laughs> like a so bad it's good movie, you got to go watch Lawnmower Man. But if you want to see a movie that has a lot of really cool ideas, some good execution, but some work that needed to be done, then this one's your movie. Anyone else want to offer up their wow score? Would you give it out of 10? I know you got an opinion about this, Darren. I'm a nerd. Nope. Oh, we got someone oh, here. Actually, we can actually talk. Okay. Oh, I think that for some reason, um, you weren't, you were able, yeah, it never took you off of Andres. I don't know why. I don't know how that happened. I, I canceled it earlier. Yeah. No. But, okay. Um, yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a good, uh, seven and a half to eight maybe from one to ten nice nice and um when was the That's last time you watched it in... oh wow uh, oh great you've seen it a few times oh yeah probably three or five times oh. i own the movie you... i'm on the movie on blu-ray okay um, have you oh, cool have you ever watched world on a wire the original that it, uh original from 1973 oh no i haven't never heard of it yeah. So, uh, yeah, we uh, if if you want to, World on a Wire is a German film by Rainer Werner Fassbinder, 1973, on YouTube. You can watch it for free, and then you got to go check out our episodes, episode 35 and 36. We cover World on a Wire Part One and Part Two. So this is our third time covering movies based on the book Simulacrum Three. <laughs> so, so um, okay. yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Ian, it looks like you've got uh, you've got an idea. What do you think? What's your score at a ten? 
Um, I mean, I, like you guys, the first thing that popped into my head was that it's a seven out of ten. Um, I mean, it's not like the Matrix. I I could watch the Matrix probably every day and be be. Yeah, I'd find something new about it. Um, this was it. It was good, but it it, it had an, enough flaws that I've I've only seen I've only seen it a few times, like like two or three. Um, right. Yeah, it, I mean, I, okay. I I liked it, but just the the w- relatively wooden acting and the the dialogue that was a bit um, rough at times. It 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 kind of kind of hampered that continuous enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Anyone else before we uh we get out of here? Uh looks like Toronto guys taking a, a flying nap. It's a, <laughs> it's a new thing we can do in all spaces. Take a flying nap. All right. Uh cool. Well then oh, we got one more here. Here we go. Kurt. What's up, Kurt? Okay, can you hear me? Yep. All right. Um yeah, I, I to me it was a ten because I was really satisfied after watching it. I really enjoyed it, um, nice. and I just it was just that good of a movie. Um, another movie that was like that was uh, Existence. Do you know that one? Existence. Yep. Yeah. We got we we covered that, that one too. Got to cover. Yeah, we 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 too. covered that in episode forty or forty five or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely, that's great. So um, so that's really interesting. So you gave it a ten. So. Uh, you just love the ideas and the execution and you just have a great time watching it. That's, it's good to have, well, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. And then it's like, I, now I'm, now I'm doing this. I haven't seen it in so long. Now I want to go back and watch it again. I own it. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen it. So. Oh, definitely. Uh, next time you watch it, come back and tell us uh, if you have any different thoughts this time around, but, um, I think it does yeah. have a lot going for it. So that's uh, good to hear. Very cool. All right. So then I think none of us agree the critics when you go to rotten tomatoes they give it a a 36 percent if you go to metacritic they also give it like a 30 percent. so i think all of us agree that they were just like it because matrix came out earlier that year and then existence came out a little after that and this was like the third one and kind of the run to the litter it got really hammered probably more than it deserved from the critics uh so it's it, they should uh you know go back and revise that a little bit for sure for sure all right. Well, thank you for teleporting in to this Worldcast of Simulation Nation. Whether you're with us in virtual reality or 2D or listening to the podcast a week from now on Spotify or iTunes. And that goes for you, Ian and Darren and everyone else. If you want to hear yourself on the podcast, it'll be out in about two weeks. Uh, and remember to subscribe to our Instagram at The Simulation Nation, Twitter at SimNationVR, Facebook and Discord. And join us next time for our World Builders of Alt Space series number six with Tajasuka, who is an incredible artist. You got to check it out. Until then, stay plugged, my friends.